We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Preborn. When a mother meets her baby on an ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection. And the majority of the time, she will choose life. But she can't do it without our help. Preborn needs us, the pro-life community, to come alongside her. One ultrasound is just $28. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or visit preborn.com. Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. Jenna, first, good morning. Great to be with you, the queen of talk radio in America. The left does not want to honor our freedoms, and we have a responsibility to fight back. I love talking about the things of God because of truth and the biblical worldview. Fill that void with a vision that runs so deep that it dilutes the woke agenda. Well, thank you, Jenna. Right from the beginning, I knew you, so it's an honor to be with you, and you're doing really well. Proud of you. Formerly legal counsel to President Trump, Jenna Ellis. And good Monday morning, everyone. Fred Jackson sitting in for Jenna today. Jenna taking a couple of days off. Uh, Happy to be here and fill in for her because I'm in the news business and I'll tell you what, there is so much going on in the news business and want to bring you up to date as to what is going on in the Middle East and, uh, you know, I've been in the, the news business now for almost 50 years, and it is not uncommon, uh, especially in the day and age in which we live, is that the big story tends to wane after a few days. News agencies move on to other things. But, um, and understand when I say this, I am thankful that the news media has not moved off of this story because I think it is one of the most important story uh, that's that's evolved in decades, what is going on there. And the word this morning is, uh, given what has happened over the weekend, remember, this is in the third week now since the October 7th Hamas massacre there of those communities, Israeli communities, uh, along the Gaza border. And over the weekend, if anything, things intensified for the Israelis. The missiles are still coming in from Gaza, uh, watching some live feeds this morning. So Hamas still has in its arsenal many missiles, and they are firing, doesn't matter whether it's northern Gaza or southern Gaza. But also during the weekend, Israel had to deal with an increase in incursions from Hezbollah in Lebanon. So they're dealing with that. Over the weekend, they arrested at least two dozen Hamas members in the West Bank. And please, I don't call it the occupied West Bank because that's a falsehood, quite frankly. But also still going on and not reported as much on some news agencies is that the Israeli forces, along with dealing with all of that, are having to deal still with cleaning up in these communities that were attacked so brutally by these Hamas terrorists uh, back on October the 7th. We also are getting information about uh, some of the Hamas terrorists that Israel has arrested. Many of them they have killed. But some of them they have arrested. And there's been some really interesting information coming out from these under interrogation from the Israelis, what these Hamas terrorists are saying about that day, October the 7th. One of the 
reporters, correspondents that's doing an absolutely incredible job is Fox's Trey Yankst. Young man, he has been on the front lines of this since day one, October the 7th, and continues to report. He was interviewed this morning on Fox on one of these terrorist interrogations and what they're finding out. I want you to hear a little bit of that. Cut number 12. Fox News exclusively obtained a video of an Israeli interrogation of one of these militants that entered. And in the video, he admits to these war crimes against the Israeli people. He talks about the coordination that went in to this massacre, how Hamas used Telegram to send updated videos in real time to show other militants and their commanders what was happening. He also talked about how commanders told them to behead Israelis. And then he goes into more detail after saying that they were acting like animals. The interrogator asks him what they did. And again, I can't tell you what we heard from this militant from his own mouth because the details are too graphic to describe on TV about what these men did to the bodies of Israelis after they slaughtered them. And it just, it is, it is again remarkable that people are trying to deny this is taking place. And it's part of the reason that as we bring you live coverage from the border here under rocket and mortar fire, I am insisting that we get into these communities. We are pushing the Israeli military to take us with them to see the aftermath of these brutal massacres so that we can write the first draft of history, a truthful and accurate draft about what took place here on October 7th. That uh, is for, uh, Fox correspondent Trey Yankst, one of the Fox correspondents that's covering this. And as I say, he's doing a terrific job. Very interesting. Some information came out during the weekend uh, from these interrogations of these arrested Hamas members. Uh, some of them are reporting they took a drug prior to October the 7th that seemed to dull their senses to what they were doing. And that goes along with apparently what this one terrorist said, that they acted like animals. So that's what the Israelis were dealing with. That's what these residents of these small communities were dealing with. There have been other reports where uh, some of the terrorists uh, identified themselves outside of these houses. Remember, this occurred at 6.30 in the morning, Israeli time, on October the 7th. And some of these uh, some of these terrorists could speak Hebrew, and they encouraged people to come out of their houses that morning that they, they said they were there to help them. And when they emerged from their houses, they shot and killed them or arrested them or did other things to them that, as Trey Yang says, we really can't talk about. So this is ongoing. As I say, Israeli forces are still going through some of these communities because there are still remains in some of these communities of those who were killed. And according to um, Hebrew tradition, they have to have all the body parts before they can bury these individuals. That sounds horrible, uh, but that is what's going on, and we cannot lose touch of the brutality that was used because, and I say all of that because already in the mainstream media, the shift has begun. The, the, the stories now, I would say nine out of ten of the ten stories that I see, Associated Press, some of the other news agencies, now switching the sympathy to the Palestinians in Gaza. 
and a reminder that once again, that um, Israel does is not going after civilians. They are doing everything possible. I don't, you know, you heard the story last week. You know the uh, the initial reporting on that missile that hit that hospital in southern Gaza, and right away the media believed the terrorists that it came from Israel. And about, I don't know, late last week, there was proof, both audio proof and visual proof, that it was a missile fired by the terrorists that went astray. But it took until last weekend for the Associated Press to admit that this missile came from the terrorists and not from Israel. And now you're seeing copious numbers of of visuals of the suffering Palestinians there in southern Gaza. And that is applying pressure to the Biden administration. The Biden administration is now telling Israel, hey, ease up a bit because of what's happening there with civilians in southern Gaza. And it was really interesting this morning, I was listening to an interview with Congressman Van Orden, Derek Van Orden, he's from Wisconsin. He is a retired uh, Navy SEAL. He is in Israel. And he was asked about this uh, pressure now coming from the Biden administration uh, to tell Israel to ease up a bit. And he gives a very interesting response to that. Cut number 13. Does it concern you that our administration, according to the Washington Post, New York Times, and Reuters, is pressuring Netanyahu to wait? Uh, we're telling them what to do because we have so much leverage because of the material that we provide. Does that, does that bother you, or do you like that? It bothers me tremendously, Brian. If San Diego was being rocketed from a terrorist group in Mexico, we wouldn't wait. And we wouldn't expect Israel or our allies to tell us to take it easy on the terrorist group who is uh, who would be rocketing San Diego from Mexico. It's inappropriate. And to give the Hamas terrorists an additional $100 million is simply unforgivable. I cannot remember any time that Winston Churchill again said, hey, we must make sure that we get enough humanitarian aid to the German civilians who are being bombed because Hitler started the war. So you, you can't square that or circle that square. It's impossible to do so. And we have to remember what's taking place in Israel right now is Iran's fault, their proxy is Hamas, and they've conducted these attacks, and any of the subsequent horrific events that take place Mm. are a direct result of that. Yeah, let's not forget, Hamas terrorists started this, and we can't back off. Uh, You know, Israel cannot back off. We, We shouldn't be pressuring Israel to do so, because it's just going to prolong things. This is the playbook of Hamas, of Hezbollah, of Islamic terrorists in general. This is their playbook. They carry out these atrocities against Israel, and then they wait a few days, and they know the Western media is going to start to turn the sympathy against Israel when Israel responds to these things. And as Congressman Van Orden said, if this was terrorists in, let's say, terrorists in Mexico bombing San Diego, do you think that... You know, the Biden administration would say to San Diego, hey, let, let's let up on these terrorists and, and give them an opportunity to regroup or whatever the case may be. You cannot, cannot do that. But 
watch watch for that in the mainstream media. The sympathy meter is certainly switching. You know, I think it was Nikki Haley last week was asked about, you know, the deal that was made to start this what's called humanitarian aid to go into southern Gaza from Egypt. And she, and she said, why didn't we step back from that and say, okay, we'll put humanitarian aid in there when you start releasing some hostages? Now, they did release, Hamas terrorists did release two hostages, a mom and daughter, on Friday. But the new count this morning on the number of hostages being held is over 220 that are being held. Why didn't the United States say to the Hamas terrorists, we're not going to, to give you that humanitarian aid until you release more, if not all, of these hostages. There are men, women, and children, older men and women, young kids that are being held by these terrorists. And you just seem to go along with what they are saying. The other aspect that we're dealing with, too, is, uh, is we're seeing more and more of these student demonstrations in the United States, you know, people shake their heads. They cannot believe this anti-Semitism, folks, has been going on campuses in the United States for a long time. But if there's one good thing coming out of this, the American public is now seeing how deep that anti-Semitism runs on these campuses. Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, he's, he's got a good idea. He says if he's elected president, guess what? Those students who are protesting on American campuses, if they are here from another country on a student visa and they're some more supporting the Hamas terrorists, he's got a solution to that. Cut number nine. And I think what this terrorist attack in Israel has shown us is we're vulnerable from all the people that have come illegally because they have come from Iran, too. It's not just Mexico, yes. Central America, Russia, China, Middle East, all that stuff. But I think what we also saw when the blood wasn't even dry on the Israelis who had been massacred, you had people in America going out protesting in favor of Hamas. Yes. And that's like very chilling. Some of these people are not U.S. citizens. They're student visas. So as president, if you're on a student visa and you're a foreigner and you're out there celebrating terrorism, I'm canceling your visa and I'm sending you home. Yeah. And DeSantis is not the only one. 19 Republican lawmakers sent a letter on Friday demanding that the U.S. State Department and the Department of Homeland Security revoke the visas and deport foreign nationals who support Hamas. The letters addressed to the DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas and Secretary of State Antony Blinken, telling them they got to get busy on this. One of those congressmen is Jim Banks, Republican from Indiana. He says the letter we write to request information regarding the potentially unlawful presence on U.S. soil of non-immigrant foreign nationals who have endorsed terrorist activity. I think that's a reasonable idea. All right. We got much more ahead on here. The Jenna Ellis program. Fred Jackson sitting in for Jenna today. Again, on a very busy news day. Don't go away. Did you know that every day, Preborn's network of clinics experiences 200 miracles? How? Preborn gives women with unplanned pregnancies a window into their womb through free ultrasounds, introducing them to the beautiful life growing inside. 
Once she meets her child inside her womb and hears their heartbeat, the chance of her baby's life doubles. Because of the generosity of you and me who donate just $28 to sponsor an ultrasound, Preborn can do this. The cost of a dinner can save a life, the most worthwhile investment you can make. All gifts are tax deductible and go entirely to saving babies. Someday you may meet a baby that you rescued and you can give them a hug. Or maybe they'll give you a hug. Maybe they'll even save your life as they grow and pursue meaningful careers. One thing is for sure, you will never regret saving a child's life because life is a miracle. Please donate your best gift today. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. And indeed, welcome back. Fred Jackson sitting in for Jenna today, bringing you up to date on everything that's been happening in the Middle East this weekend. And the growing reaction we were talking about just before the break, uh, the students uh, on campus here um, and the idea from Ron DeSantis and a, a delegation of Republican congressmen saying basically, you know, these terrorists supporting students, the ones that come from foreign countries who are here in a student visa, they ought to be kicked out of the country. We don't support terrorism in this country. And, you know, we could probably have a very long discussion. How did this happen? Because we've been doing stories in our news service here about the anti-Semitism on campuses now for years. It's been going on. It's been allowed to happen. And now people are starting to really see it with these protests. I was watching some interviews on the weekend with some Jewish students, New York University. They're scared. They are scared. They're scared to, to identify themselves as, as Jewish individuals. They're scared to, to wear anything that might identify them as being Jewish. That's the way it is. Last week, or, or about 10 days ago, I guess it was, shortly after what happened on October 7th in Israel, we saw the first pro-Hamas demonstrations on the campus of Harvard University. And the president of Harvard University came out with a statement saying we're appalled by what these people believe, but we, have, we, we support their right to spew hatred against Israel and the Jewish people. Well, I'm glad to see the reaction from some donors to, to Harvard. Same thing has to happen on other campuses, too. It's not just Harvard. It's other universities around the country. Same sort of thing is happening. And taxpayers' funds go into these universities. I think our lawmakers across the country have to consider that. That unless these university officials deal with this kind of anti-Semitism, outright anti-Semitism and support for terrorism, you cut off their taxpayers' dollars. It's as simple as that. The other thing that we have to be concerned about, folks, is what's happening on our southern border with regards to terrorists entering this country. I was uh, looking at an interview this morning. Uh, again, it was uh, Fox and Friends. Tom Homan, who is the, the former uh, head of the uh, immigration 
and and border immigration, uh, I think under the Trump administration. And he he had some startling numbers. He said during the Trump years, they detected 14 people from terrorist countries, terrorist watch list, 14. Right now, that number stands at over 200 since Joe Biden became president. 200. And that's what we're aware of. They use the the term gotaways, which means they don't detect. And he says there is absolutely no question at all that terrorists are crossing our southern border. Cut number eight. I wrote an op-ed in, in June of 2020. I said, if Joe Biden becomes president, we lose the border. We lose operation control of the border. And when you lose operation control of the border, you, when the border patrol is so overwhelmed that most agents are no longer on patrol because they're dealing with this self-inflicted humanitarian crisis, mm-hmm. that's when the fentanyl comes across and kills over 100,000 Americans. That's when the sex trafficking of women and children skyrocket. And that's when known as suspected terrorists will use that vulnerable border to get into this country. Look, just last month they got 18 in one month four years on the trump administration we have 14 14 in four years since joe biden's taken the white house they've had 272 we had 14 in four years this is a, the biggest national security failure i've seen in this country since 9 11. you know i i hope i hope that we do not see and a horrific event here in this country because of this open, basically open border policy that's been allowed to occur since Joe Biden became president. But you know what? We should not be shocked when it does happen because we have had an open border now. Millions crossing our border. And and those who are, are observing and keeping track of this as best as possible are saying, hmm, There's so many of these people crossing our border claiming asylum who are young men, single young men. That fits one of the brackets of terrorists, single young men. And yes, from terrorist-sponsoring countries, Syria, Iran. And you walk up to the border and and you claim asylum. And by the way, in the financing that uh, President Joe Biden talked about last week, he's tying aid for Ukraine and Israel to money for the border. Now he says money for border security. But if you read the fine print on what the president wants, some of that money, perhaps a lot of it, for so-called border security is to hire more border patrol agents to pick up the paperwork. In other words, showing up for asylum and you you write the paperwork telling these people they have to show up in four or five years. That's, that's what's going on on our southern border, folks. Makes it very dangerous. And the United States is not the only ones that's seeing this. It's very interesting. Countries in Europe, like Germany, are now reaping the results of their policies. The number of people that they have let in from Muslim nations has grown dramatically over the last 10, 15 years. And now they are seeing, they are seeing the results since October the 7th. Chancellor Schultz said Sunday 
that he's outraged by the anti-Semitic agitation spreading even to Germany as the Israel-Hamas war rages and warned at the inauguration of a new synagogue that the vow of never again must be unbreakable. And he talked about an incident at a synagogue there in Germany, in Berlin, last week where assailants threw two Molotov cocktails at a synagogue. He says, you know, these attacks against Jewish institutions would never be accepted. He spoke of the barbaric terror of Hamas. As I say, if anything positive will come out of this, maybe it's the realization that these terrorists will never give up, folks. They will never give up. And what's shocking for myself having been involved with journalism now for so many years, is how easily the mainstream media is sympathizing with these people. You know, when you hear, when you hear the mainstream media, and they use the term occupied West Bank, no, it's not. You have to know the history of this. And I would invite you, when you get a chance over the next few days, to have a listen to uh, Jan Markell's program from this past weekend, Understanding the Times, that's heard here in American Family Radio both on, on Saturday and Sunday around the noon hour, Central Time. And she went through the history of how the United States has had periods of support and non-support for Israel. And uh, she talked to a documentary maker who has gone back all, all the way, actually, to the 1800s when, uh, when there were people uh, like John Darby, when there were people like um, uh, Moody, D.L. Moody, and others um, who started to read Scripture and started to see that Israel had to become a nation again before the Lord returned. And that gave rise to a whole new uh, sway of, of thinking about uh, the nation of Israel. And, of course, in 1948, uh, Israel became a nation again. First time in history that a group of people who had formed a nation, the nation dis- dissipated and then came back into life again. And she talked about what happened uh, in World War II. And she talked about Roosevelt and how Americans knew that Jews were being put in these camps and did very little about it. But she also talked about what happened in 1948 when Truman was president. And, and Truman, being a Southern Baptist, had read about the nation of Israel and believed that it would be formed a nation again. And he saw himself as a modern-day Cyrus, if you remember the story in, in Daniel, how Cyrus, the Persian king at that time, allowed the captives to start returning, the Jewish captives to their homeland. Saw himself as a modern Cyrus. Now, there, there's been wars since then, six, the uh, 67 war, which lasted six days, and Israel uh, came through that very quickly. But she also talked about the 73 war, the Yom Kippur war, which, by the way, the October 7th, just a few weeks ago, came a day after the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War. 
And during that 1973 Yom Kippur War, uh, Israel did not fare as well. In fact, they lost almost half their air force within several days. And they were, they were being depleted. They were being defeated by these Arab nations that had attacked them on that special day, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. And the story is, of course, Richard Nixon was the president at that time. Golda Meir was the prime minister of Israel. Richard Nixon had a reputation of being anti-Semitic. But he had a mom who had told him many years prior to him becoming president that someday, if you have an opportunity to help the nation of Israel, you do it. Because I believe she believed in Genesis 12.3, where God tells Abraham, I will bless those that bless you, curse you, those that curse you. So Golda Meir calls Richard Nixon at 3 o'clock in the morning, basically begging for American help. And Richard Nixon, who for the most part, as I say, had anti-Semitic attitudes, answered the phone that morning at 3 o'clock in the morning, and he remembered what his mom said, and he ordered his military, the State Department, to do everything that they possibly could to help Israel. Turn things around. Don't tell me there isn't a God in heaven who puts people in place at just the right time. All of that to say that President Biden needs to be very careful. Now, I applaud him for what we've done so far, putting those carrier groups uh, in the Mediterranean, resupplying the Israelis, that, that is absolutely wonderful. But I hope, I think the pressure has to continue on the Biden administration not to give up and not try to force Israel to compromise. Hamas has got to be rooted out. Part of the other developments, by the way, on the weekend is that uh, China, now listen to this carefully, folks, China has now deployed six warships to the Middle East. That ought to be concerning. You remember last week, Russian President Putin was in Beijing meeting with China. Russia and China are good friends with Iran. Iran is supplying weapons to both the Hezbollah terrorists and Hamas. This could escalate far beyond what it is right now, and it's bad enough right now. It was very interesting. On the weekend, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell made some statements that, and I don't always agree with Mitch McConnell, but I want you to have a listen to what he had to say about the axes of evil that we ought to be concerned about. Cut number 11. The Iranians are a threat to us as well. And so this is an emergency. It's an emergency that we step up and deal with this axis of evil. China, Russia, Iran, because it's an immediate threat to the United States. We need to view this as a worldwide problem. So he says that these conflicts... All right. 
Not sure who that was right at the end, uh, but it's it's very interesting that Mitch McConnell would issue that warning because so much focus, and rightly so, has been what's happening day by day, hour by hour in Israel. But let us not forget what is happening in the big global picture. China is not our friend. <laughs> it is not our friend. And China is getting together with Russia, getting together with Iran. And you probably heard of their master economic plan. China's going around the world right now. And they're working on creating a economic uh, fortitude against the American economy. They are lending money to various countries getting involved with them, and those countries that can't pay it back, China's going in and taking over the assets in those countries. They are attempting. They are a world power. They want to be the world power. And as many observers have said, China, Russia see weakness in the current president, and they're taking this opportunity. A lot of concern about what may happen right now with China and Taiwan. Will China take advantage of what's going on elsewhere in the world to do what we know what they want to do? All right. Much more ahead here. The Jenna and Alice program. Fred sitting in for Jenna. We're going to talk about an event last night about Israel, but praying for Israel. Event sponsored by Tony Perkins. Washington Watch. We'll be back in a moment. If you're like most of us, you're paying way too much for healthcare. That's why I want to tell you about a ministry that has been meeting the healthcare needs of hundreds of thousands of Christians, and that's Christian Healthcare Ministries, chministries.org. Christian Healthcare Ministries is cost sharing made easy. For over 40 years, this unique model has allowed believers to choose their own doctors without worrying about networks or waiting periods, since they are not insurance, but a faith-based alternative to insurance. Members not only get advanced from the affordability, flexibility, and reliability of CHM, but they also receive access to 24-7 telehealth services at no additional cost. It's no surprise that doctors across the country appreciate working with CHM, and so will you. It all starts with a visit to chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR. Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health share ministry serving all 50 states. Share the good news with a friend too. chministries.com slash AFR. Make the switch today with any time enrollment. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. And indeed, great to have you with us this morning on this Monday morning. Fred Jackson sitting in for Jenna today. And uh, we're talking a lot about the latest developments going on in Israel. And uh, probably uh, an event right now that's happening that most of us have not seen in our lifetime. Uh, Especially if probably if you're 30 or under, uh, this is quite significant uh, what is happening. And just to bring you up to date once again, Missiles are still coming into southern Israel uh, from from Gaza. Yes, the Hamas terrorists there still have weapons. Israel on the weekend had to deal with uh, encounters with Hezbollah and their northern border in Lebanon. 
Uh, also, they're having to be concerned with weapons that Iran is sending to replenish the terrorist weapons. Uh, they're flying into uh, Syria, Damascus, and so Israel has had to deal with that. And Israel on the weekend had to arrest more than two dozen uh, Hamas terrorists on the West Bank. Yes, uh, the West Bank also that you hear so much about. But you know, last night um, at a a church in uh, Blythewood, South Carolina, the Family Research Research Council, Tony Perkins, um, sponsored an event there called Stand With and Pray for Israel. And a number of guests spoke there, and I want to bring you a little bit of, of that event last night. Uh, Tony Perkins uh, obviously was there and, and kicked things off, and he said it's he cannot believe that some Americans are not supporting, they're not supporting Israel. Cut number six. It's inescapable to me that Americans would support the brutality and those that would perpetrate the brutality that took place in Israel. Tonight, we're here to pray for Israel. We're here to pray into the situation, into the heavenly. Yeah, praying for Israel. And we all need to be doing that. And, you know, it, it's, it, it is amazing. And I, I hope you go to a church uh, that, that does support Israel. Uh, Jan Markell of Understanding the Times has been reporting that uh, she is shocked. She's getting uh, emails and phone calls from some of her listeners saying their, their church has not even mentioned this, is not even talking about this at all. You know, an event of biblical proportions going on right now, and some churches aren't dealing with it at all. Perkins uh, went on to talk about Genesis 12.3. I've quoted that already. Genesis 12.3, I will bless those that bless you, God talking to Abraham, and curse those that curse you. And he says, Tony Perkins says, Genesis 12.3 has not expired. Cut number seven. The word makes very clear. In Genesis chapter 12, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I believe that is a promise that still is active today. It is not one that has an expiration date. Yeah, and Michelle Bachman, uh, you may remember Michelle Bachman, uh, former uh, member of Congress. Uh, she is she's now with the Family Research Council, but she's also with Regent University. She loves the nation of Israel. I remember doing stories when she was a member of Congress. Uh, she led a delegation at, at least once to Israel, and she went into the Palestinian territory because the United States has been for years giving money to the Palestinians. And she questioned the Palestinians about what they're teaching their kids about Israel. I think she knew the answer, but she questioned. And she was able to point out some of the books that are used in Palestinian schools, basically saying that Israel should be wiped off the map. That's what they were indoctrinating their kids at that time. Here's a little bit about what she says. Israel's importance in biblical history that flows through even today. Cut number four. 
If you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you understand the broader narrative of what God is doing. God is the number one character of the Bible. Israel is the second character of the Bible. Why? Because look at the very beginning of Genesis. God created a perfect world. He created mankind for perfect fellowship. Almost immediately, mankind sinned. And when mankind sinned, immediately, God made a way of redemption. The entire Bible is about the scarlet thread of redemption. And redemption in God's sovereign hand comes through Israel. He chose Abram. Curiously, out of the southern part of Iraq, he brought Abram up to what was Canaan, what is today modern-day Israel. Out of Abram, he, he had the sons Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their 12 sons. And from that group, God created a nation at the foot of Mount Sinai. And through this nation, God would bring the redemption of the world. So God created a man, a people, a land, Genesis 15, 18, God wrote the deed himself. I'm creating you, nation, to come to this land, the parameters of which are Genesis 15, 18, for one purpose. And that purpose is to be a blessing to all families on earth. And that blessing is Messiah. Yeah, there you have it. A blessing to everyone on earth. Jesus was a Jew. <laughs> and blessing to everyone. Salvation is open to everyone. Jesus chose to use a group of people and a nation, the nation of Israel, to bring the gospel, to bring salvation to the whole world. Now, there are some that reject that today. Some churches, some denominations. They say God is through with Israel. Well, I, I think if you really take an honest look at history, you will see that that is not the case. Also speaking at this event last night um, that uh, Tony Perkins, the Family Research Council, sponsored is uh, retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin. And he addressed what is happening uh, on, the, on, on the campuses. He's appalled by what he's seeing on these campuses, these anti-Semitic, anti-Israel speech or actions number three. When God says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. Think about that. I will curse you. If America does not stand with Israel at this moment in this time, we're going to be cursed. And I, I know that because the word says it. And let me tell you, those prophets knew what they were saying when they put that in the word. And now we've got to believe it and we've got to stand with it. And you've got, to, you've got to find every person that's ever said anything insulting about a Jew. And tell them it's time for them to get on their knees and repent. Because what we see happening today in this country, in our colleges and universities, I've never seen anything that embarrassed me and ticked me off any more than what I see going on right now. Yeah, didn't mince any words there. Uh, ticked him off. And the uh, question is, what's going to be done about it? As we talked about just a few moments ago, a delegation of Republicans uh, from Congress have written a letter saying that something should be done about it. 
especially with these students who come here on student visas, but also just the matter of money that pours into millions of dollars that individual Americans, that companies pour into these universities, something needs to be done about it. It needs to be talked about. Americans need to be made aware of it. Maybe where you send your your daughter, your son, where they go to school. That may be something that should be checked out. Also speaking at this event last night, this event sponsored, as I say, by the Family Research Council, was former U.S. Ambassador to Israel, David Friedman. And he thanked the audience there for the prayers, and he called upon people to keep praying. Cut number two. As Israel faces the greatest challenge since its founding in 1948, we need your prayers. We need your prayers for our leaders. We need your prayers that they act courageously, that they act wisely, that they act as compassionately as they can, given the ruthless enemies that they face. We ask you to pray for the peace in Jerusalem. Uh, You've done that before. We need those prayers more than ever. We need you to pray for peace throughout this land. Pray for the soldiers and their families. Pray for the hostages and their families. Pray for the first responders. Pray for all the volunteers. And there are tens and tens and thousands of them. Ambassador, former U.S. Ambassador David Friedman there, he also drew a bigger picture that we need to keep in mind of all of this. This this is a demonstration of good and evil in the world. Now, a lot of people try to paint these things as gray. That the, you know, Hamas, some believe, have a legitimate right to be doing what they are doing. Goodness gracious. There are some members of the Democrat Party Congress women. I'm thinking Rashida Tlaib, who refused to condemn the deaths of even babies on October the 7th. Refused. Now, she was outright condemning when that hospital was hit in southern Gaza. She was out there blaming Israel even though there were reports even then that it was that that missile that hit that hospital was not from Israel it was from an islamic terrorist in gaza but unfortunately the mainstream media hasn't been calling her on that and other members of the squad as well well friedman last night as i say this this is a a picture of good and evil that's going on out there, folks, right now that you are seeing. And there's no middle ground in this. Here once again, uh, former U.S. Ambassador David Freeman, come on. It's a battle between good and evil. It's a battle for our souls. It's a battle for our Christian and Jewish souls. It's a moment in time where I think um, our children and our grandchildren and, and those we come up, come upon later in life will ask us, Where were you? What were you doing during those last two weeks of October in 2023? Did you stand with Israel? Did you help Israel? Did you support Israel? Did you do everything you could? And everybody can do different things. Not everybody needs to run and and fight, but did you do what you could do to help Israel, to stand with Israel? I believe 
that there'll come a time when God will ask all of us that question. And those that cannot answer uh, adequately, I, I believe they will not receive God's mercy. Uh, this is that important a moment in time. A moment in time. You know, I, was, I, I wonder sometimes, I mentioned, you know, some churches, according to Jan Markell, have, are not even talking about this. Some evangelical churches are not even talking about this. The question becomes, why? I was reading an article uh, over the weekend. It was talking about the diminishing support, particularly amongst young evangelicals, for the nation of Israel, for the Jewish state. And it was interesting, there was a University of North Carolina at Pembroke, a couple of professors there, um, did a survey, did a poll of evangelicals of all ages in 2018 and another poll in 2021, focusing specifically on evangelicals ages 18 to 29. According to their data, support for Israel amongst young evangelicals dropped from 69% to 34% just during that three-year period. An incredible drop. And he goes on to say there's a couple of reasons for that. It's because some pulpits, some churches, do not talk about prophecy, biblical prophecy. They don't teach it. And Israel is integral to that, folks. Some people have different views on eschatology. I understand that. But Israel is involved. It is part, part of the Bible is the story of Israel and God's dealing with the Jewish people. And so they say part of the problem is it's not being preached from the pulpits, not being taught in Sunday school, etc. But they said the other problem is, of course, is the propaganda in universities. And it goes right to critical race theory, that the world is broken up into oppressors and those oppressed. And these young evangelicals are buying into this Marxist philosophy and the accusation against Israel that Israel is the oppressor and the Palestinians are the oppressed. And that's just false. If you know anything about Israel, Israel has plenty of Muslims who live within the country, they are members of the Knesset. Israel is not the oppressor. But what's happening in these Muslim areas, whether it's Gaza, whether it's the West Bank, whatever the case may be, they are being kept angry by leaders who have no interest in a two-state solution, as they like to say. They want Israel wiped off the map. From the river to the sea, you're hearing that from these kids. So we need to know the truth, we need to know biblical truth, and we need to be proclaiming that. All right, great to be with you. Much more great programming here on American Family Radio. We'll see you again soon. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. I want to thank my sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without our help. Will you head over to preborn.com AFR and sponsor an ultrasound? 
Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health cost sharing ministry, helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. Make the switch today and start saving. Visit chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR.